it's Camille Andrews here, your host of the Feminist Book Chat Paris, a podcast that explores the many faces of an intersectional feminism through literature. We originally planned our trip to London to interview the journalist and author Amelia Abraham, our previous guest episode on the podcast. But we thought it'd be also lovely to bring you all some bonus content by having a chat with some London-based booksellers. Gaze the Word popped immediately into our mind because it's such an iconic institution. Some of you may recognize it from the 2014 film Pride that is in fact the only LGBTQ plus bookshop still standing in England. One of only four bookshop staff members, Erica responded to our message within the day and was just as enthusiastic as us to meet up for a chat. So she invited us to record in the bookshop itself, a real pinch me moment for the two of us. And she even brought some chocolate and ginger biscuits along with her on the day. A girl after our own heart. Um, and we have to give a special shout out to Mr. Uli, who welcomed us so warmly and kept us entertained whilst we waited for Erica to arrive. So just a little bit more info on Erica. She's an academic, a writer and expert in LGBTQ plus children's and young adult literature. Originally from California, she's been living in London with her wife since 2009. As well as being a bookseller at Gaze the Word, Erica is also an associate tutor at the University of East Anglia and has just started writing book reviews for Diva magazine. That's a UK print and digital magazine for lesbians and bisexual women. She also volunteers with two awesome organisations, we'll link to them in the show notes of course, called Poet in the City and Inclusive Minds. You can follow Erica on Instagram at Erica Reads Queer, where she often posts what she is reading along with cute headshots and bookshop events. Hi Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for welcoming us in your beautiful space. Um, I think we're just gonna go straight to the point uh, with the first question. So, Guess the Word was the UK's first queer bookshop when it came on the scene in 1979, and it's now the only one still standing in England. Um, how did you end up as a bookseller there, and what does it mean to you to be to be like a part of this such iconic bookshop? Yeah, that's a it's a great um, question, and um, yeah, Guess the Word is incredible for its history and it was actually originally opened as a gay and lesbian and feminist bookstore um there wasn't enough books in 1979 to stock the shelves just with gay and lesbian content so they also stocked things um like the second sex and like the joy of sex so a lot of feminist texts um and importing from the u.s as well because um texts published in English in the UK um, that were available were um, not as wide as what was being published in America. Um, And it is the only one left in England, but there's also category is books, um, which it sounds like maybe you've heard of. Yeah. And that opened in Glasgow. Um, It's run by a wife and wife team. When was, when was that opened actually? I believe it was September, September, 2018. Yes, very recent. And is that when I see category as books, it makes me think of Paris is Burning and the, the ballroom scenes, Definitely. you know, and Pose, the TV show yeah. that we've, we've watched recently. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just started watching Pose. It's fantastic. But yes, it is inspired by the ballroom scene. Um, and so if you follow their Instagram feed, it's really great. They'll do like category is and, you know, and, and they'll kind of, uh, there'll be a display of books that's all on whatever theme of the day. And, and they're, I think their tagline is radically queer and independent. Um, so I definitely want to make a trip up there. So, um, but I first walked through the doors of Gay Zord probably in autumn 2011. And uh, I was sort of bullied into coming. Uh, an older kind of uh, friend of mine, um, uh, a bi ma male colleague of mine, was like, You haven't been to Gay Zord. What kind of queer are you? Like, you have to go. <laughs> and I was like, Right. Yeah. Sorry, Peter. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And, um, and I was interested in starting a PhD uh, in young adult literature, looking at LGBT characters in uh, for teen for teenagers. And so I came to Gaze the Word, and I bought um, Ash by Melinda Lowe um, as kind of a, a dip into that world. Um, and so from that point, s came back again and again as I started to prepare my PhD application, and then started my PhD at the University of Roehampton with. Um, the National Center for Research in Children's Literature. Um, so I had done my master's there and in LGBT picture books. So I was going back to, to look at older readers. Um, and over the five years of my PhD, came to know Jim and Uli as I refined my PhD topic um, down to just lesbian love stories. So female characters who had relationships, same-sex relationships. Um, and then also branched out into comics and graphic novels mm -hmm. they were great at ordering in books for me from the U.S. Um, and we would just start chatting and we would exchange information and they would order in books for me that were in hardback that they might not normally import but they would mm -hmm. get a copy in for me and then a couple in for customers and then when it came in paperback they would stock it and um I mean, the bookstore is just two blocks from the British Library. Um, and so I'd come on like lunch breaks while I'd been, you know, writing my thesis. Um, and so when I handed in, it seemed natural to invite them to my kind of handing in drinks, my celebration. Um, and it was there at those, at that drinks that someone said, oh, what are you going to do for work? And so kind of from that point then kind of got, um, uh, they were like, well, we'd love to have you in the bookshop and the bookshop was um, at the point where they could ha take on someone part-time. But I wasn't expecting that there would be anything available here because, of course, I had inquired before when I had been studying and um, it wasn't possible. Um, about 10 years ago, the bookshop was near closing or 12 years ago, actually. But kind of the peak time when um, ebooks and the big online sellers, yeah, when they were really hitting their peak. And they've taped, ebooks particularly has tapered off. Um, and I think there was a move towards, you know, getting it all online and people not really focusing on supporting their independent bookstores. Um, and so Uli and Jim and I believe a journalist friend um, got together to run a campaign to buy a bookshelf and so kept the doors open all down to Jim and Uli um, for keeping this place, you know, alive, but also thriving. How long have Jim and Uli been at the helm of uh, Gaze the Word? So Jim, Jim McSweeney, he has been at the bookshop since December 1989. And um, so he came on board. Yeah, it'll be 30 years this year. And um, he came on board 
I believe, doing some of the finance operations and then at some point in the 90s took over managing the bookshop. And then Uli, Uli Leonard, he came on board, I th- it's somewhere between 13 and 15 years ago, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, and he came on board and then it was just um, Jim and Uli for the last you know, uh, over a dozen years, just the, the, the pair of them. So I feel really honored to be able to come on board and, um, and to work with them. We're a great team. I love, love coming to work. Um, I love working with them and talking of iconic. Um, I, I heard you, you, you two ladies quickly having a chat whilst I was just dealing with some technical issues. Um, it's the 40th anniversary, uh, this year coming up of the bookshop. So what, what are some events like, how, how do you plan to celebrate, uh, basically? Our biggest celebrations have already happened. Um, so the bookshop opened in January 1979. Um, and so we, we had a little drinks party here at the bookshop. Um, there was some music. There was some bubbles. Um, it was a nice group of people who have a long-term kind of connection with the bookshop and, and celebrating that. And then in February, on the 22nd of February, um, Uli organized a celebration event at the British Library. Um, which is really incredible if you think about it, um, to have a an event at the British Library, this beacon of kind of the British establishment in terms of literature and history, hosting an LGBT That's event. Amazing. And I think in 2019 it makes sense, but like, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago, you're just like, wow, that change. Yeah. And it was an in- absolutely incredible event. Um Damien Barr was meant to host the event, um, but he fell ill on the day, so Uli took over hosting, and I know Damien would have done amazing, but Uli was top notch. He just, uh, he was incredible to watch, and we had three panels, authors, um, reading from their work, discussing their own histories with the bookshops. Um, We had a panel of young poets close the event. They each read a poem. Um, Keith Jarrett, who's a London-based poet who lived across the street from the bookshop for a few years, actually wrote a poem for the bookshop that just had us all like in tears. <laughs> um, and the overall, the overall message of that night that I really took away was just for so many people, including myself and everyone who was there that night. You know, it's more than a bookshop. It runs much deeper than that because it sounds like it was a really emotive you know people put their heart and soul into how they celebrated um that's yeah that's incredibly touching so erica you're a california native so california um considered one of the most liberal states in the u.s at least from a legal point of view in regards to lgbtq plus issues uh, so 1976, so one of the first for to legalize gay sex, uh, same sex, 2003, same sex marriage. And also in 2014, they were actually the first state to ban the gay transgender panic uh, defense in murder trials. So they're very progressive. So growing up, did you find it easy to get your hands on queer literature? Uh, was it something at your library that was easily available or did you have to kind of go, you know, underground elsewhere to to get your hands on on that kind of literature oh that's a great question um so I have um I think I'm probably a a good kind of example of 
of California in this way. So I was born near San Francisco. I was born in Hayward, which is in the East Bay. And so for the first 10 years of my life, I grew up in the East, in the East Bay and kind of, you know, it's metropolitan, it's urban, you know, family, friends, um, uh, you know, my cousin's best friend is a lesbian and I watched her and her wife get married and, you know, conceive a child and all of that was kind of taking place around me. But uh, when I was 10, we moved to a rural area right along the um, Oregon border in Siskiyou County. So I come, I say, from a town called Wairika, even though I'm technically a transplant. Um, <laughs> but uh, and so I grew up in a really rural county. Um, most people joke that there are more cows than people there. Um, <laughs> so it was a lot less open. And I didn't figure out um, anything about my sexuality until after I left. Um, and so I wasn't really looking for yeah. that literature. Yeah, yeah. But um, younger friends of mine um, who were kind of in school at the same time as me definitely struggled to find anything and, you know, had secret relationships and kind of, you know, had to hide things. And, um, and I remember one of them, once I was at university and had come out as bisexual kind of slash queer, um, they were like, you know, I've just found oranges are, aren't the only fruit and she's incredible and you should read this book. And, um, and so that's one of my first memories was actually being handed it weirdly because I went to university in Santa Cruz, which is one of the most liberal universities you can go to. <laughs> in the U.S., <laughs> definitely on the West Coast, um, and yet one of my first kind of queer literature memories is actually via Siskiyou County, and my friend who was still at home and still hiding their sexuality. So even though uh, you weren't necessarily looking for queer literature when you were a teenager yourself, um, still in terms of the evolution, so compared to today, oh, yeah. Um, and how you've charted that since you've been studying, especially for children and uh, young adults. Um, what would you say have been the biggest kind of uh, progresses, the biggest leaps in terms of uh, literature, queer literature for younger people? So I would have uh, finished high school in 2003, and that is a is an important year in the study of um, young adult literature with LGBT characters because there was this kind of little burst on the scene. Mm -hmm. So you have David Leventhin publishing Boy Meets Boy, Alex Sanchez publishes Rainbow Boys, um, there is, um, and then Keeping You a Secret by Julianne Peters, the first of her lesbian novels for teens. And then in 2004, you also have The Bermuda's Triangle by Maureen Johnson, mm -hmm. who was a best-selling author and uh, one of the first bisexual representations. So there was this little blip. So there wouldn't have been anything in my library and for my generation, there, it would have been really slim. So from 2003 onward, uh, Melinda Lowe, who's a young adult uh, author, uh, she jokes that her brand is lesbians. Um, <laughs> I love her work, and there was a whole chapter in, in my thesis on her on her novels, um, so I know her very well But um, in that way. But uh, she has done great statistics from that, from kind of 2004 onward. And there is a steady increase. Um, and then around 2012, you have another blip. That, that kind of shows up. So it's interesting the kind of evolution of it, but 2012 you have things like The Miseducation of Cameron Post by Emily Danforth, uh, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe um, by Benjamin Ailier Sainez, I believe, and 
beautiful novel. Both of them <laughs> two incredible, incredible novels that mean a lot to me. Um, interestingly, both kind of um, kind of rewriting history in a way. So they're both set in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and both set in more kind of conservative um, communities or rural spaces. Okay. And so rewriting queerness into those spaces, which maybe from my own experience is why they're so, so, yeah, so moving to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So um, and then kind of from 2012, again, you kind of have this uprise. But I fin my research stops at 2016 and I've just kind of been a reader mm -hmm. since then, mm -hmm. but I'm glad it did because from 2016 onward, it has been impossible to keep track of the number of titles, <laughs> particularly on the young adult scene, particularly on the yeah. young adult scene. It is. And do you think there's like, room for improvement still uh, in terms of uh, maybe school syllabus or bookshops or how do we how could we make it yeah, go better yeah it's a good question I think in terms of a young adult audience I I would love the publishing industry to just keep going you know I think yeah, there the, yeah there's a there there is momentum there um, and there's been so many different discussions discussions from kind of uh, own voices to, you know, div questions of diversity. And so really pushing that out. And I'm seeing more and more um, come out from writers of color, um, in, uh, from uh, authors or books that have uh, asexual characters, mm -hmm. genderqueer characters. There needs to be a lot more kind of gender and sexual variance just throughout all these novels. Um but in some ways, I'm kind of like, okay, the young adult scene, they've got it happening. Obviously, there's continuing discussions on s in schools in the UK. I don't, I don't know if it's kind of been on the news in France at all about kind of the No Outsiders project, which is an, an inclusive project um, across the board. But that project's being challenged at a school in Birmingham because one of its aspects of its school is a project is to have LGBT um, discussions with children of all ages um, so there's always room for improvement there but I think in terms of bookshops in terms of publishers and writers I would love to see more mainstream publishers publishing lesbian bi and queer women particularly so it's still really niche and that's why also I was like asking about like the school scene mm -hmm. is like the, the education making its part and like integrating this this kind of books in school syllabus or mm. stuff because it's like it's still in some independent stores and independent editors and the mainstreaming hasn't taken it so much yet yeah the kind of big five publishers are you know it's like i want to see them do more um, um and having kind of mainstream bookstores have not just a token lgbt section but actually something that's rich and having someone on staff who can really be dedicated to that and also coming to places like this. Um, just a kind of uh, quick question as we come to the end. Um, you're a busy lady, Erica. <laughs> you're not just a bookseller. You also do some university lecturing. You also volunteer at two uh, organisations, which we'll be sure to include in uh, our show notes for the podcast. You have a wife. You have an outside life. Where do you find the time to read? How do you fit that in? Oh, thanks. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I'm, so I've, um, I, th I haven't updated my, my website yet, but I'm also now the books editor for Diva Magazine. 
I'm really, really excited about it. My first reviews will be out in June. That has been like my own question is like, where am I going to read all these books? <laughs> um, so I think um, so in terms of my daily kind of reading habit, um, public transport is great for that. Okay. Um, I do read before bed every night, um, but I need to be careful. And then I, because I work in a bookshop, we don't open until 10. So I do kind of read in the mornings as well. Um, so, you know, a cup of tea in bed. <laughs> no, I do sleep. I'm just very lazy. I just take 10 minutes to get dressed and then I just have my cup of tea and a book. Um, but, you know, I'm also not perfect and I, you know, social media and TV and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So just before we leave you, um, could you share with us your top three to five book recommendation uh, for children and young adults? I think I'll offer a couple of picture books and then a couple young adult novels because um, I think sometimes it's really difficult to find picture books and um, even if you're not a parent yourself, you probably know little people who would love books as well. So um, there's been a couple in the last year that I really love. Um, so there's Julian is a Mermaid. I love it. Um, and then um, The Girls by Lauren Ace. And that was published by um, uh, by Caterpillar Books, which is an imprint of um, Stripes Publishing. And um, it won the Waterstones Children's Book Award this year. And then there's another U.S. title. Um, Jessica, uh, Julian's Mermaid is also a U.S. title, but uh, Harriet. Um, it's called Harriet Gets Carried Away by Jessica Sima. And a little girl who loves getting dressed up. She has two dads. Um, and um, and uh, she's mixed-raced as well. And it's just... Uh, it's a really fun, lovely story. So those would be my picture book recommendations. Um, my young adult titles. Oh gosh, I mean, I have read a lot of them. <laughs> so I would say my so one of my top books for 2018 um, was Sophie Cameron's Out of the Blue. And so that's been my go-to recommendation this last year. It is set in Edinburgh during the Fringe. And um, slight kind of post-apocalyptic feel. Angels are falling from the sky. They've started. No one knows why, as I do. Um, it covers kind of grief and that kind of change in political climate. There's a bit of romance there. It has lesbian and bisexual representation as well as just um, chronic illness representation. Um, the protagonist is um, her mother who has passed away uh, is Sri Lankan. Her dad is white Scottish. Um, and so there's a lot different kind of intersections of identity going on in that novel. Um, and it's just fun. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it and Sophie Cameron has another book coming out next month uh, I believe it's called Last Bus to Neverland and I think there's a gay yeah I think there's a gay romance in there um, and then there's also a great anthology that came out this year also by Stripes Publishing um, called Proud um, and that is an anthology on the theme of pride um, and great selection of established authors like um like David Leventhin, like Sam and James Green, but also new authors. Uh, Cynthia So is one of them. And then each story has been illustrated 
again by an LGBTQ illustrator. So those, I'll leave you there. I'll leave you there. Uh, okay, well, we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much, Erica, for your time and your patience. Um, we are now going to stop recording and go and take some photos and buy some books from Gays the Word. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed listening. Bye.